Uh, the sermon for this evening at Bank is an assigned sermon, and so I studied that and seemed like the Lord, as He has always done, He laid it out there clear. And, and I mean, with time, with study, the sermon came together, and I wanted to take care of that one and get that together, and so I know what's going. You know, I knew what what I was supposed to study for that. So worked on that, and the Lord provided it, and then. But I thought, originally I thought, well, I'll have, give that sermon this morning and this evening, but the Lord just, it just seemed like he said, no, you can't do that. And I know this may seem a little strange, but it's, it's reality as a minister, sometimes the Lord just tells you no. There's another message. Okay, Lord, what do you want me to bring? And last Sunday evening, as we were having a song service, God laid Psalm 51 in my heart. And it just seemed like the Lord wanted me to speak on Psalm 51. And I studied it this, this, this week, and I studied it, and I read. And normally, an outline starts to appear, you know, things start coming out of it. And there's a message that comes out of a study like that. But this week it didn't. And I struggled with that. You know what it's like to be a minister with no message? No, you don't, and it's fine. It's, but God is good. Last evening as I studied this and prayed and pondered, the Lord laid it on my heart. You don't have to have a message. You don't have to have notes. And so I don't have any notes this morning. We're going to look at Psalm 51 as a congregation. And when the Lord laid that on my heart, it just he gave me peace. So this morning, let's look at Psalm 51 and... More as a Sunday school lesson type thing. But as we look at this, this is David's cry for mercy to God. And it's been my cry at times. It's special to me because of that. We've all, if you're a Christian, you've been in David's shoes. And I'd like to... I know this is a bit facetious, but I like to see a raising of hands. And it's okay if you don't feel like you've ever um, been in this position. Praise the Lord if you haven't felt the weight of sin in your life. But I like to see a raise of hands for those that feel like they've been in David's position here where you knew sin was had completely ruined your relationship with the Lord and you had no excuse. And you had to deal with that sin in your life. I'd like to see a raise of hands for that. Pretty much puts us all on the same level. I have. You know, there's, there's daily, we feel like we you know, fail and we ask repentance. But this is a sin that... Well, as we read this, we'll see how David felt. Broken bones was one of the things that stood out to me. Most of us have felt that kind of guilt and weight from a sin in our life. I'd like to ask somebody to volunteer to read the first four verses, and then we want to read, I want somebody else to read. Uh, verse 5 to 10, and then someone else to read verses 11 to 19. So, 
First four verses, okay. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sins. For I acknowledge my transgression, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned, and not this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak, and blameless when you judge. Thank you. Zach, if you would go ahead and read 5 to 10. Okay, somebody read verses 11 to 19. Thank you. I'd like to go back and look at those first four verses. And I want you all to be open to speak up. I don't have a lot to say. I mean, maybe I will if the Lord leads. But it also, um, I'd like for you all to be thinking, because if there's some songs that this brings to mind, when we get down with the study, I would like to, we can, might have a few songs yet too, if God lays one on your heart. But let's look at these first four verses. Well, as da this, this psalm, probably you know the history, this is David's cry to God for forgiveness after he committed the sin of adultery with Bathsheba and had a man murdered and... There was a period of time, this could be at least, this could be up to a year after that had happened, of David's struggle in his heart with that sin, with what he had done. And you know, what's interesting about this, this was normal for the kings around them. This is completely normal activity to manipulate, get what they want, kill people off if they got in the way. Saul did it before, he, before David. Um, 
It was normal activity for a king. But it wasn't for David because of whose he was. The weight of sin hanging on his shoulders strikes me as I look at this. It didn't need to be that way according to that day and time and what was acceptable for a king to do. It only was that way because of his love for the Lord and he realized that this sin separated him from God. What challenged me, a challenge that came out of this for me was, does my sin burden me like this did David when I failed? Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Then he goes on to say, wash me, cleanse me. And verse 4, against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. I don't think David was saying that sin was only against God. Because obviously that sin was against Bathsheba. It was against her family. It was against the nation of Israel because they all saw it happen. Saw what happened. It couldn't be hidden. But David was, what he was, I think, coming to to grips with was his ultimate accountability was before God. Are we there? Do we feel that way when we sin? I don't think sometimes that I do. What's your thoughts on this first four verses? I think verse 3 is, is very key in all of this. When he, he said, I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. And when he came to the realization of what truly took place, what took place in his heart, what took place, and then he he was ready to come clean. <laughs> and yet he said, my sin is ever before me. Um, it's something he couldn't erase. <laughs> and only God could forgive it. And he was pleading to God for mercy. And on his own, he couldn't, he couldn't get rid of That impressed me as we read this this morning. So David was talking about, I acknowledge my transgression. He was taking it. He did. In our day, we all want to, or it seems like most people want to push it all off. It's somebody else's fault, and he didn't. So what, what is it in the, that, what was it that bothered David so bad about this sin? Why did this sin hurt him so bad?
I think that's the key. It came between him and God. David had that kind of a relationship with God that he, it brought him physical pain. I mean, the next set of verses would seem to say that anyway. Physical pain, almost, because that relationship wasn't there. He didn't have that connection to God anymore. In verse 4, it says that thou, he's saying all this to say that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. He's saying, God, you are right, I am wrong. I think that's one of the biggest keys in dealing with sin in our lives. It's coming to the place where we realize God is right, we're wrong. And admitting that and accepting it in our own hearts. And I also want to open it up. Verse 3 says, For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. It's hard to be real. But there may be somebody here this morning, and I want to open my own self up to God. Is there something on my heart, in my heart, that has been ever before me? Is there something in your heart that it's there and it just seems like we're not willing to let it go? David looked at his heart and he knew what was there. Is there something on my heart or your heart this morning? Some sin, something that's keeping me from God that we're holding on to. Let's move on to the next section there, 5 to 10. Verse 5, Behold, I was shaped in iniquity and sin did my mother conceive me. Um, some of that may go back to David's, how David was conceived, but it also alludes to the fact that we're all born with a sinful nature. This jumps forward to the message this evening, but God told Noah in a promise, He said, even though Man's nature is evil from their youth. Yet I will make this covenant with you. We all have a sinful nature that we deal with from our youth. And that nature does its level best to tear us down till the day we die. It's never eradicated. We deal with the temptation of sin. If only it could be completely eradicated, well, that would be, that would be glory, and that's what we're looking forward to. He's saying, I was shaping in iniquity. Sin is there. In verse 6, what God really desires is truth in the inward parts. God understands that we deal with sin nature. God understands that. What God is desiring is that we're honest 
in our inward parts about that sin nature and that we're dealing with it. And I think maybe I'm drawing too much out of verse 6 here, but is, it, but is he saying, as we are honest with ourselves and the sin that we deal with, then God gives us wisdom. It says, and in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. As we are honest with who we are, wisdom comes out of that. Verse 7, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. The hyssop was what the priest used to dab blood on the altar, to, to dip the blood and put it on the altar or to sprinkle it over the people. And what, what is, I, it sort of alludes to the New Testament, but he's saying, place that blood on me and I can be clean. It's almost a prophecy here if you look at it. Purge me with the blood and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Is there an area in your life or mine this morning that we really desire that? We just want it to be clean. Only that blood being shed. Even David understood that it was only that blood being applied to his life that could make him that clean. Verse 8, Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. The pain of a guilty conscience. The bones you have broken. You know, someone with a broken, a broken bone can't function properly, and I think that's how David felt. He felt the pain of not being able to function properly spiritually. Are there broken bones in my life or yours this morning? And what's so beautiful is what he ends with that thou hast, that the, those very things in our lives that are broken can then bring rejoicing when they're mended. Oh, the joy of amended relationship with God. Verse 9, Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. What are your thoughts on this section? That is very true. Thank you for pointing that out. You know, David's sin could be covered up by that blood 
ours can be washed away, gone. And that's something that's a little hard to get a hold of for, for me, I'll, I'll just be honest, that those sins that I committed, once they are forgiven, God doesn't go back and pick them up and say, but back here you did this. Even though that's my tendency to do with everybody around me, God doesn't do that. When they're gone, they're gone. They're clean. They're washed away. That's almost impossible to get a hold of. The north, you're going to get to the North Pole and you'll head south again. Can't find the west. You're right. Verse 11, cast me not away from thy... Oh, I'm, I guess I'm getting ahead of the next section there. I'm sorry. Is there any other thoughts on, this, on these verses? In misery, pain, <laughs> spiritual pain. You know, Hebrews four, verses twelve to thirteen, verses twelve and thirteen. We could probably quote this: "For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit." and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him which, with whom we have to do. David was experiencing that Spirit of God saying, right here, this has got to be dealt with. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Only God can really do that for us. And I thank you, Martha, for that testimony of peace and joy, even in a really, really difficult time. Verse 11. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. David had, as I said, this could have been up to a year after he had sinned. And David was feeling the dealings of the Holy Spirit working on his life. It had not been taken away from him at this point. It says, cast, don't cast it away. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. That was precious to him. Saul, when God removed his spirit, Saul didn't see, you don't see any reaction to that. David was scared it was going to happen. He knew if he didn't deal with this sin, it would happen. Same as in our lives. God doesn't... We aren't a Christian one day, a, not a Christian the next, and a Christian the next day, and not a Christian the next. It doesn't work that way. But there can come a time if we know their sin and we refuse, like Saul did, to deal with it. 
because of, I don't know what all pressures were affecting Saul, that God will remove His Holy Spirit from us. And David said, please don't do that. Please forgive me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. He needed to feel that spirit surrounding and strengthening him and giving him peace. Verse 12, restore. Okay, I'm sorry. Verse 13. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. What an amazing testimony, would you say? David understood that when, when others saw what God was going to do in his life, sinners would be turned to God because they're going to want it too. That really, really blesses me because we, when we have sin in our lives and we don't want to deal with it, we don't want to deal with it because we're scared what people will think, right? David understood that the blessings and of forgiveness will turn others to God. And sinners shall be converted unto thee. When others see God working in our lives and our response to that, it, that is what converts others or turns others to God. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thy God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. David understood what was going to come out when he found that peace and joy. And I believe it did. And he says, God, open my lips, verse 15, and my mouth will show forth thy praise. David, I don't think David could really bring effectual worship and praise to God as long as his sin was there. He could not deal with it. He couldn't honestly worship God. Verse 16, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If there is sin in your life this morning, if there is something that, that the Lord has brought to your mind, God will not despise a contrite heart. Forgiveness is there for those that truly repent. In verse 18 and 19, David takes this personal struggle that he's in and he says, God, when I can deal with this, the entire nation is going to benefit. I, that's what I see in verses 18 and 19. Maybe you, don't see, you all don't see that. But he's, all this is very personal between him, between him and God. But then he turns in 18 and 19. Do good in thy pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. How does the walls of Jerusalem get built? By David dealing with his own sin. And it says then, verse 19, once that happens, then God will be pleased with those sacrifices. He will be pleased with the deeds that we do out of worship for Him. But we, He won't until we get deal with the sin in our lives. God doesn't take 
pleasure in a dead animal burning on an altar. He didn't in the Old Testament. He doesn't take pleasure in us doing great sacrificial works for Him today unless our hearts are right with Him. Any other thoughts that y'all have on this? This came out of a knowledge of what walking with God could be like. He knew what it was like to have that peace and he didn't have it. But I think it's, it's just good for us to realize that as David did, he realized that Jerusalem would benefit from his sin being dealt, dealt with. We are, the church of Christ is the Jerusalem of today in a sense. I'm not into, um, I don't understand that concept enough to say completely that it is Jerusalem of today. But people, the Jewish people, David loved Jerusalem as we ought to love the church. I was challenged as I studied this and blessed. God wants an honest and contrite heart. And when He has that, everything else drops into place. Maybe there was a song you th this brought to mind, laid on your heart. Number, number 354 in Science Prayers. Very, very good and fitting song. I think we have time for one or two more if you all would have that. 354 Zion's Praises. No.
Any other songs? 350 in the Christian hymnal. Number 350. What a friend we have in Jesus. something that's on your heart and mind bothering you? Confession? Um, anything you'd like to say? just want to open it up. <clears throat> Someone has something.
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you. God's Word really is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Well, thank you for your attention and your help this morning. God is good. And he was right. We don't have to have a sermon. We can simply look into the Word of God and let him speak. Brother Sam, as we stand for prayer, would you give the closing benediction, please?